friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. And today's episode is coming to you live from Galilee. In fact, I'm sat at the very top, the very north end of Lake Galilee. And Lake Galilee, imagine like it is a teardrop that's kind of upside down. And right at the very top, you've got a place called Capernaum. So today I'm sat by Lake Galilee uh, at a place called Capernaum. Now, what's Capernaum? Capernaum was a township and village that uh, the disciple Peter came from. And we're told that Jesus uh, stayed there and lived there also. And it's in Capernaum that, that Jesus did a whole string of miracles. And we're just going to explore one of those uh, stories in the Gospels today that, that located itself in this very place. Uh, we, we know that this is exactly where Jesus was when he did this miracle. So we're going to look at this, this little miracle today based in this place, the place of Capernaum. I'm going to give a little bit more history as well of this place for you. Uh, but I hope you find this really interesting, having a podcast uh, situated here on the shore of Galilee. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And I hope you find this podcast helpful uh, and interesting. And, and friends, I would say this, I would love it if you would help me with this podcast by sharing it uh, online, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever social media you're a part of, because uh, it's really hard to uh, get these podcasts out there. It's only through word of mouth that people actually get to know about them. And I'm so excited that thousands upon thousands of you now are listening weekly uh, to this podcast. Uh, But I really believe the content uh, is... Uh, just accessible for so many people. Uh, so I would love you to to maybe just post something on Facebook today. Do you know, I've listened to this podcast and I found it really helpful. I think you would too. That'd be great. That's all that done. Now let's get on to Capernaum, Jesus, and signs and wonders of his kingdom. So here we are in Capernaum. What is it about this place that is so interesting? Well, Capernaum uh, was uh, found by archaeologists and and really from 1968 has been uncovered. And and what they found in this place is this whole township of Capernaum. There's a synagogue there that you can stand in. And the synagogue is a rebuilding of the synagogue that existed during Jesus' time. But the same square footing and same foundations. Uh, But in that synagogue, we're told that Jesus, drives out a demon. So if you want to look at Luke uh, 4, 31 to 37, Jesus casts out uh, a demon in that synagogue. Uh, We also have a Peter's house, the disciple Peter. And how do we know it's Peter's house? Well, partly the graffiti on the walls, the carvings on the walls. Uh, One of the things that we find there is carvings of this ichthus fish. Before Christianity uh, was the cross, or its symbol as the cross, its first symbol um, was that of the fish. So that's that's super uh, cool for us to find that in that place. Uh, So this place of Capernaum, 
uh, was the place that we know that Jesus spent so much of his time. In Matthew 4, we're told that Jesus made his home here. Jesus made this his home. It was his place that he lived. Uh, and there was many miracles that we found here. Uh, and one of those miracles was Jesus healing Peter's mother. Uh, we know that Jesus uh, liberated the demon-possessed man in the synagogue. Um, we know that Jesus heals uh, the centurion's servant here in Luke 7. Uh, Jesus heals the paralyzed man in Mark 4. So this was a location, like an epicenter of Jesus' ministry. And it's right here on Lake Galilee. And you can hear Lake Galilee here in the background as I sit uh, on the beach uh, outside Capernaum. I've got Capernaum behind me, Lake Galilee in front of me. And it's here that I want to bring our teaching today. Because there's a teaching here from... Lake Galilee and Capernaum that is right here in the gospel. So I'm going to read to us uh, a gospel reading. So this is going to come from Luke chapter 9 and it's a reading of two miracles that Jesus does uh, and it, the, the passage is called the dead girl and the sick woman and it's situated here in Capernaum. Uh, so let me read this to you. You'll find this in Luke chapter 9. So Luke chapter 9 verse 40. Now when Jesus returned a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, pleading with him to come because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds were crushing around him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But nobody could heal her. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately she was healed. And he stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Um, when they all declared it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. But Jesus said, somebody touched me and I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told them why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still talking, somebody came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher any longer. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anybody in except for Peter, John, James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her outside. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them to go tell um, ordered them not to tell anybody what had happened. Fab little story. Now, I want to just unlock the healing of the woman 
for you for a moment. So she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's done everything she can. She's probably been to the synagogue. She's been to the leaders. She's paid um, a temple tax. She's done everything she thinks she needs to do to find healing, but yet nothing is healed. And this woman has become an outcast because of her bleeding. She can't stay in Capernaum. She's obviously staying somewhere outside Capernaum. That, that's what would happen if you were bleeding. And she uh, has heard of a prophecy and this prophecy uh, comes from the book of Malachi 4 verse 2 and the prophecy says that when the Messiah comes you'll find healing in his wings. We think wings, we're thinking birds, feathers. So the Messiah is going to be a bird. Like what, What's that about? God speaks in pictures, picture language. To unlock the picture, we have to understand the culture of what Jesus is in. A rabbi or synagogue leader wore something called a talit. It's a prayer shawl. And on that prayer shawl, there was hems on it where these threads would hang down. And there were prayer cords where they would hold them and use them in prayer. And the Jewish people came to understand this Malachi 4 verse, that when the Messiah would come, they would be healing in his wings. The wings are the, the hems of the garment that hang down. So on this prayer shawl, as it hangs down your waist and down to your knees, these became wings. And the belief was that when the Messiah came, he would be so holy and so righteous and so prayerful. If you were to only touch the hem of his prayer shawl, then you would be instantly healed. The Messiah will have healing in his wings. So she's come along. She's heard about Messiah Jesus. She's heard about Rabbi Jesus. She believes his Messiah. She believes he's the one that God is sending to save the people. So she comes. She crashes through. She reaches out. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And she is instantly healed. In other words, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus does not need to make accusations and claims with his mouth about who he is. What happens around Jesus proves who he is. So when somebody says to you, Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah, no, but it's pretty clear that this is who Jesus is. Why? Because these prophecies get uh, fulfilled in Jesus. He doesn't need to make the claims himself. His own being and presence, a story, uh, the healings around him are declaring who he is without even using words. So there'll be healing in his wings. She reaches out, she touches the hem of his garment and she is healed. There's a lot more going on in this story. And the way it's set out is really interesting. This is the story of two daughters. This is the story of two daughters, and we find it in Matthew 9, we find it in Mark 5, and in Luke 8. It's a story of two daughters, and this story always partners these two women together. You've got a girl who is 12, and you've got a woman that has been unclean for 12 years. They're partnered together, there's a link between them. These women are deeply connected, deeply connected. The fact that the girl is 12, and the woman is unclean for 12 years, there's also a nudge-nudge that actually they're both a part of God's tribes, the 12 tribes. The number 12 is really important. It indicates that they're a part of something. God is bringing people into tribes and families. These are two young women who are a part of God's tribal family. They're both in. But 
because of what is now happening with them, they are both now unclean. So they are a part of God's family, but they are now unclean. The little girl is unclean because she is dead. A dead body is ritually unclean. If you were to touch a dead body, then you would be unclean. And you would have to go and bathe yourself, ritually bathe yourself to become clean again. So the girl is unclean because she's dead. And the woman, well, she's unclean because she has been bleeding for 12 years. She's unclean if anybody touches her because of... um, this bleeding that she had. So I'm just going to read to you. I'm going to find, flick through and find it now in the book of Leviticus. This is Leviticus 15. And it's the teaching that we need to read to understand this woman's situation. So this is Luke 15. So uh, Leviticus 15. Then a woman, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many years at a time, other than a normal monthly period, or this discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as the discharge continues uh, as in the days of her period. Verse 27, whoever touches her will be unclean. She must wash the clothing and bathe with water and then she'll be clean again until evening. But if you're bleeding and you're bleeding and you're bleeding, then you are ritually unclean. So here you have two women who were in but are now out because they're unclean. Death and bleeding. And uh, both of them are now uh, almost out of this, this family of God. So you find this woman who's now living outside of the, the, um, the village because of her bleeding. And what would happen is you would end up with these little areas where people would live together who were ritually unclean. So you would have a village outside of a village where somebody had been pushed out. You can imagine the names that she has been called. Every time she's come near to the town, there's the bleeder. There is this woman. She's had names called uh, on her, names that declare her unclean. Uh, There'd be this um, presumption, really, that she was unclean because that she's had some sexual encounter that has made her unclean. So she's now ritually unclean, and that's why she's bleeding. So they would have seen her as a prostitute. They would have seen her as somebody who is sexually deviant, and she's She's bleeding because of uh, what she has done. So they would call her the unclean one, the bleeding one. Uh, And they would say, there goes the bleeder, there goes the bleeder. She's a social outcast, not just of society, but of her own family. And they would call her names. So here you have a a girl who was in the village, but is dead. And here you have another woman who is out of the village, and she is dead. She's dead to her family. She's dead to the town. She's dead to the village. She's dead to the synagogue leaders. She's unclean and out. So one is living in the shadow of death. And the other is living in the shadow of her past. Two women deeply connected were once in, now out. You've got a dead girl and you've also got an unclean woman living in the shadow of death and living in the shadow of uh, her past. So here you have this woman who has been living outside of the camp. She's lost her humanity. She's no longer human. She's a bleeder. And then you have a girl who's no longer human because she is dead, deeply connected. 
I want to ask this question for a moment. Somebody who's called these names for 12 years, who's now a social outcast, what does that do to somebody? What does that do to someone and their soul when they're told they are no longer fully human, they're subhuman? The effect on this woman uh, would have just crippled her soul. She has lost her humanity. And I just want to link us with this woman for a moment. We have all got something that makes us unclean. We have all got something that makes us unclean. She's a bleeder. What are you? What are you? Some of us are unclean because of gossip. Some of us are unclean because we are liars. Some of us are unclean because we're uh, addicted to gambling, drugs, alcohol sex, porn, something like that. Some of us, we are unclean because we are thieves. We never want to admit it, but we steal from our workplaces. Uh, and we say, oh, it's only a minor thing, it's only a little thing, but, but we are, we, we, we steal stuff. Some of us uh, struggle with sexual immorality, sleeping around. There are many things that uh, we can be a part of that makes us unclean. Um, our anger inside of us, unforgiveness, makes us unclean. We are just like the woman. We are living outside of the camp because we are unclean. The gospel, the gospel is not a gospel of sin management. The gospel is a message of dead people coming back to life death to life that is the gospel message and it's the gospel that we now see in this story we've got a 12 year old dead girl and we've got an unclean uh, woman for 12 years so what goes on what goes down what goes down is the woman hears of rabbi jesus we she hears and believes that he is the messiah and they'll be healing in his wings so she comes into the camp and she presses around jesus to touch the hem of his garment if anybody realized she was there she could be stoned on the spot but she's desperate she is desperate to encounter the living spirit, the life, the resurrection that's in Messiah Jesus. And she does not care if she gets caught. She comes in, she squashes, squashes in, she makes her way, she reaches out, she's so close to the rabbi, and she reaches and touches the hem of his garment. And in that moment, she is healed. That's her story. And then you've got the story of the little girl, the little girl who is now pronounced dead. But death to Jesus is not the end of the story that it is for us. It's not the end. Jesus comes. He only invites in the disciples and the father and mother. And in this place, he calls out to Jairus' daughter, get up. She is only sleeping. And then he says, get her food. Why would he say, get her food? It's a bit of a bizarre line. Is she hungry? Well, probably. It's this. Ghosts don't eat. Only living beings eat. He's making very clear that what is happening right now is not an apparition. She is not a ghost. She is a girl who is back to life. And he says, feed her. Feed her. Now, both of these stories of the little girl and the woman have a connective tissue. You've got the number 12. 
You've got them being out and now they're in. But you've also got another one. At the beginning of the story, the little girl is described as Jairus's daughter. And then at the end of the healing of the woman, Jesus turns to her and he calls, says, daughter, go in peace. Now, let's think about these stories for a moment. She is not a daughter. She is an unclean, bleeding woman living outside of the camp. She's outside of the family. She is not in the family. She's not a daughter. But in this miracle, Jesus doesn't just heal her from her bleeding. He brings her back into the family tribe. Daughter, go in peace. Now, I want to pull this apart for a moment. Daughter, and go in peace. Peace. The word that he uses here is the word thegata, which literally means my daughter. This is God speaking here. My daughter. She is not a woman. She is not a bleeder. She's not all of the names that she has been called. She is my daughter. Jesus says. Jesus is in the business of bringing those that are outside of the family and brings them back in my daughter. You see friends, names stick. Names damage us. Sticks and stones don't break my bones, will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Lie. Names hurt and they penetrate us into the depths of our being. So if I say to you, Think about the names that you were called at school, the names that you hated. They're still there like a wound. And if you think about them, they still hurt you. There'll be a name that someone called you at some point and it penetrates deep into your being. And it's like every time you think about it, somebody turns that knife one more time. Jesus knows that names hurt. See, he gives her a new name. He forgets all the names that she's been called. And he turns to her, looks her in the eyes, and says, Fergata, my daughter. My daughter. Jesus gives each of us a new name. We're not orphans. We're adopted sons and daughters. And God gives each of us a new name. My son. My daughter. Daughter. These two stories are the stories of two daughters. Two daughters who are back with their family. The dead girl is back with her family, and the outcast woman is now adopted back into the family. Both are the gators. My daughter, Jesus, gives a new name. He gives you a new name. Two, you are his son. You are his daughter. If you want to reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garments, do it. And he will give you a new name. And then that next part of the phrase, he says, Thegata, my daughter, go in peace. Jesus is welcoming her back as a family member. He's reinstating her with the wholeness and blessing of God. Go in peace. Uh, the Hebrew here would be the word shalom. Shalom meaning the wholeness of God, the correctness of God, everything in its right place again, God. So when he says go in peace, or this shalom, what he's doing is he's repositioning her back in the blessings of God, in the prosperity of God, the wholeness of God. 
He's positioning her again right in the heart of the nature and character of God himself. Go in peace. He's placing her right where she needs to be again. Friends, this is an amazing story of two outcasts who are brought back into the family. A dead girl, an unclean woman brought back into the family. Given a new name, both called daughter. Uh, This beautiful blessing of go in peace. Go feed the girl. She's not a ghost. She's living again. What an amazing story. Friends, this all happened here in Capernaum. This, this beautiful location that you can find today. I encourage you to Google Capernaum. See some photographs of this place. As I sit here on Lake Galilee, you just look out and this beautiful lake was this location of so many of Jesus' miracles. And it's amazing being here in this holy place to be where they happened, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. But let me tell you this. These stories happened, but they still happen These stories didn't just happen in Galilee, in Capernaum. They happen today in your streets, in your home, in your life. God is doing the same thing he did 2,000 years ago with Jairus' daughter. And this beautiful woman, this daughter adopted back in, happens in your life and in my life. What is it that makes you unclean? That means that you are embarrassed about who you are. That pushes you away from God and away from others. And Jesus says... Reach out, touch the hem of my garment, invite my presence into your life and I will make you well and I will adopt you as my daughter. My daughter, go in peace. Friends, we all wear labels and Jesus takes off those labels and places as a new label. Friends, I'm going to pray. And I want to pray that you would come to know the name that God gives you, not the name that other people give you. And I want to pray that the work that happened here in Capernaum would be at work in your life, in your street, in your home, in your workplace. And these stories of dead things coming to life. Would you come to realise that death is not the end, it's only sleep that God is waking us up from slumber. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the healing one, that you are the Messiah with healing in your wings. And God, we reach out to you today and we say, make us clean. Would you make us clean? And would you give us new names? Delete the labels that we are given and give us a new name, a new label, son, and daughter. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, until next time, grace and peace.